Let's fucking do it, guys. Let's just fucking nail this podcast to the goddamn wall and then punch through the wall. What's on the other side of the wall? I thought you were going to tell us. Gold. 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 Baseball. It's December 11th, 2013. This is Idle Thumbs 136. I'm Chris Remo. I'm Jake Rodkin. And... And we're joined today by our good buddies, Nels Anderson and hey. Ollie Moss. Hello. Men from the internet. We are One the of them internet. draws things, and that's Ollie. <laughs> and one of them hosts a Netrunner podcast, <gasps> which we host. Yay. <laughs> On idlethumbs.net slash terminal seven. A host within a host. Mm. The host with the most. He does have the most out of all the hosts. The most complicated board game. We played, uh, well, I say we, but I watched. It's a card game. I mean, you know, whatever. Uh, uh, You played it with Nick Brecken. I did. That was Nick Brecken's first game, and he beat you. I I went easy on Nick, but then I accidentally went too easy on Nick, and then he won. <laughs> but I think it was actually the right thing to do because I think right he as he was r- totally jazzed, he yeah, was like so juiced about right it. Right as he pulled that last run, that is right when I felt the hook sink into Nick's gills. Yeah, yeah. I don't like, really know what he was oh, doing because okay. I wasn't paying super close attention. Yeah, I noticed, but he got <laughs> but he got really excited about like. Decoding your shit, I think, as he you did. put it. Yes, and then the teacher became the giant, the shitty baby, the shitty baby, <laughs> and Nick, in important Nick parlance. But yeah, he he felt the itch. It was good. Yeah, it was good. Was uh, that how was that relative to other experiences you've had introducing people to Netrunner? Um, well, that's a good question. He he, right at the end, he was probably more stoked. Where most people who played the first time are just kind of confused when they lose. Nick enjoys winning things. He, I, can, I ascertained did, did Nick that. Start by saying that it was shit and that it was bad, and then at the end say that it was the great he was game. Pretty, he was at least skeptical. I would say okay. he was. Yeah, at the beginning he was skeptical and confused when I said it's less complicated than Dota, and he disagreed with that. Yeah. And I said, well, at no point playing Netrunner am I going to question the sexual preferences of your parentage. Well, but I did then. Yes. So. It was still providing that important Dota-esque experience. Huh. Okay. I'm lost, but that's okay. That's fine. <laughs> it's just Nick Nick was basically like, Nick looked at, the, I think Nick looked at the components of the game and assumed a level of like required comprehension that was maybe, oh, uh, maybe higher than it I actually, yeah. you know. I mean, and, and that stuff is there for sure. Like that's why the game is good, right? But that basic... Understanding like the basic foundational elements of the game is actually really not that bad. Once you get over that initial hump of there's okay, there's like these kinds of things, and this is what I can do. You kind of get it, and then you play like two or three games, and then all of a sudden the floor opens up, and you're like, oh, now I really get it. Okay, now 
it made me want to try and play it, even though I wasn't paying any attention. Yeah, we'll play make, for make we'll play sense. for real next time. Yeah, yeah, we yeah, should. We can come over again and then yeah. we'll play it. Yeah, it yeah. is it is tremendous. Yeah. Everyone should check it out. Yeah, there's a copy in this very office. I know. I was pleased by that. Drawer, it was just there. it was just sort of there. <laughs> you weren't even expecting it. it I wonder incredible. if should should we reintroduce who these guys actually are for real? Yeah, we should. Okay, so um, Nels is, <laughs> Nels um, designed Mark of the Ninja, which was uh, one of our favorite games of last year. Aw, and uh, uh, is a generally cool guy. We've actually known you for a long time. I think at this I think point, so. many years. Mm. And uh, Ollie Moss is a. I have made zero games, <laughs> but you, however, you are quite an illustrious. Illustrator and graphic designer on the internet. Yes, on the internet. So, uh, and we are both part of Campo Santo. And we are both right. part of Campo Santo. Yeah. And are cool dudes. Yeah, a little yeah. bit. Oh, nice. thanks, man. Yeah, that's yeah, just cool that's just my opinion. I don't know. You're a cool I don't know. dude too. I like you. Thanks, man. Oh. I'm not sure about you, but Ugh, it's fine. It's fine. <laughs> Jake hates this. <laughs> <laughs> what I want, believe it or not, is to talk about video games. Yes. Oh well, okay. What? Video games. Not that I have it. any to talk about because the only thing yeah. that I've played since last week was Super Mario 3D World. So which we right. talk about? We've talked about it so much. Okay, fine. All right. Well, this is the Idle Thumbs Nintendo podcast. Did you play the Zelda game at all, Jake? No, Nels has played it. I, I did. Think. Ollie I and I played both it. played yeah, it on the planes that. here. Yes. Okay, wait, hold on, Ollie. You've been playing A Link Between Worlds. Yes, because you said you weren't going to play it because you thought that the art. No, was bad. I didn't say I wasn't going to play it. I said, of course, I was going to play it because it's a new Zelda game, and I'm super excited about new Zelda games. But however, however, I think the art in that game is bad. Yeah, do you it still must... think it's bad after playing it? I'm not crazy <gasps> I, about it. Either. You know what? Honestly, I was after seeing the screenshots. I was so um, disappointed in the visual, like the direction they took, especially in the same year that they released uh, The Wind Waker HD, which, for my money, is the best looking Zelda game ever made. I mean, it looks incredible. Uh, and then to go back to a very nostalgic take on Zelda, which uh, plays fantastically. You know, honestly, like, it, like any, take any still screenshot, it looks, I think it looks terrible. It looks yeah. better in motion. It's, um, yeah, it definitely yeah, looks it's better in motion. very smooth. The 3D mm-hmm. effect is it's actually really, really, it's really, really good. It, it yeah, feels, the 3D, like, it feels yeah. like a toy box. Like you can, you can reach in and, and touch yeah. it. It's, it's. I filled around with what was it? Yours, Ollie's? Yeah, I think it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. like I haven't really played it, but I did just kind of walk around the world for a while, and I, I did actually like the subtleness of the 3D effect. Yeah, there's so, there's some bits too where they do some good. crazy stuff with scale, like did, yeah. even more than 3D Land does. That is actually really, really, really awesome. Yeah, the 3D actually works from from um, as a gameplay uh, yeah. aspect as well. Um, the, the there's one dungeon that's a, that's a really tall tower and you're constantly moving up levels and it actually works really well in 3D mm-hmm. in a way that... I mean, my, the, my favorite Zelda game of all time was Link's Awakening. So mm. uh, the one that had sort of similar things in that, but obviously they were rubbish in yeah. 2D and in the, with 3D effect. Yeah. It's amazing. Did you, did you go to that weird mine that's further east of the Tower of Hera? Uh, <laughs> no, I, I didn't. <laughs> also, so there's a bit in there that like you're, you're you know you're on these moving platforms, right? And you can see like yeah. other moving platforms down below you. Where in most games, those would just be like oh, some background, whatever. But you can actually like fall all the hell way down, land on one, then it starts to move, and you can see another one way the hell down there, so you can drop all the way down that. Yeah, and it's no, like that's it's, actually like tangible and so cool in a way it's, that it's, yeah, it's, other Zelda stuff it's really isn't. Great. It's just it's just an art direction problem that I have with it. Everything else, I mean, I'm having so much fun with the game. How do you feel about the architectural implications that people just built like weird slits all over their buildings? <laughs> like, isn't that game like this game? Isn't it like you can be a painting and stick to a wall and then go yeah. through this hole? Yeah. So that stuff is like 
the Maybe. Zelda. It seems like the Zelda games have been basically taking weird, like inverting world stuff, and like trying to think of new ways to do it every game for you know twenty plus yeah. starting years with now. Link to the past, probably. Yeah, to the point where like that is it has now just become completely like. I guess someone was weird when they built this building. Like this doesn't. This doesn't make any goddamn sense. It's fine, right? Like it doesn't really matter, but it's so weird. You apply that to like any video game. Like, why are they leaving all these red explosive barrels around? Like, why? Oh no, totally for sure. But there's like, but but there's like, if there's a room that can literally only be gotten to through like a pinhole. I actually, I've never found that so much in in this game. It's mostly just sort of like windows to the outside that you can like slide Mm. through, and then and actually that gameplay mechanic it. When they announced it, it felt like a gimmick, but yeah. in the actual game, it, it, it feels really interesting. No, no, it's this super good. This conversation is terrible. Oh, this it makes you, no, no, this conversation is terrible because now I want this game. Yeah, yeah. Uh, no, it, see? It, it, see? Makes, it really makes you like, rethink the, the from, like, think from a different perspective. Yeah. I mean, obviously, it's, it's a very familiar experience if you've ever played a top-down Zelda before, but it, it, yeah. so well, cause normally, it takes a lot of learning. Yeah, like, normally, you have to relearn the way you, you think about that world. Yeah, 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 normally yeah. a Zelda's engine, the, ro- the walls are just like a container for mm-hmm. you to be in, right? Like, There's numerous times where I'm like, oh, crap. How the hell am I supposed to get over? Oh, I could just be a flat yeah, plane yeah. and then walk over there. And you're like, that's actually like, it wasn't just like once or twice. You're like, oh, that's cool. And then oh, whatever. Um, like it's, uh, it's yeah, yeah, yeah. No, totally. Putting when you when you um, Nels, when you say that that way, did you guys play? Um, was it like Perspective or something? It was a game that was in the IGF last year. Oh, where, the crazy two D three D. Yeah, where you no. run around a world yeah. like a three D world, and then you can arbitrarily move into a mode where you're projected against. The yeah. wall and but, like I mean, it's similar to something like Fez or Echo Chrome, where it really makes you think about like perspective and the, yeah, and the yeah. So that, that indie game perspective is, is yes. all. It's only that. Yeah. Is that what it's yeah. called, Jake? I think it's. I think yeah. it is. It's I think it's just like called that. perspective. Yeah, it was from um, people. Yeah. At, uh, that was really cool. I yeah. played the all the way through it. Yeah, it was super cool. So, Link to the Past is one of those games that I can kind of play in my sleep at this point because I played it through so many times on mm. the, on the yeah. SNES and then over the years. And then I listened to the soundtrack to A Link Between Worlds on YouTube because I listen to video game soundtracks. (laughs) And it is just orchestrated versions of the exact score to Link to the Past. That's cool. How much of this game is also points for using the fucking Zelda Overworld theme in a Zelda game again for the first time in a million years. Um, The the music in Link Between Worlds uh, is really good. How much of this game is actually a link to the past but with different different puzzles inside of the dungeons and how much of it like is, Sorry, it, is it actually on yeah. the same world map or no no it's the same world map I've never played link to the past so I'm, no, okay. I'm it's, you are a disgrace I know <laughs> try it again yeah you're not welcome <laughs> I mean it's been a super long time since I played link to the past I mean the kind of the composition of the world in terms of its biomes right it's like oh the watery area where the zoras are is down on the lower right and death mountain is kind of the north right, and, and east a, a little bit in the, in in the, the southwest. southwest yeah okay but that like and then kakariko or whatever it is village is kind of like west-ish but the actual stuff that's there is pretty different like it didn't feel like oh they just okay sure put yeah. new stuff in the link to the past map so i have a more general <laughs> question about this like one of the things that has gotten unappealing about the Zelda series to me. And it's not to say that I don't enjoy a Zelda game when I play it, but um, it feels like the series has gotten more more and more and more like just deterministic and prescribed to the point where you play a Zelda game and it's like you open up your inventory and there's like holes in the shape of the things you're going to get. And you're like, well, I fucking already know what these all are because yeah. they all are the same ones. And they look all the same in the outline. Like it just... 
if you've played enough Zelda games, it is almost like intentionally unsurprising, I feel like, at this point. Yeah. Like, in a way that I find really gross and shitty. Yeah, so the thing that's... And I'm not saying that about this game. Yeah. I'm saying that it feels like that's a force that has exerted yeah, itself like, to greater and lesser degree, yep. but mainly more in recent years. Yeah, no, that's totally legit. So the thing that's very cool that I like about Link Between Worlds is that actually, basically after you play like half an hour of the game, you can just go to this weird merchant guy and rent every single like normal dungeon item you normally get in the entire game. You like you purchase them, purchase mm-hmm. them and then they're in your inventory, but Ooh. if you ever die, all of that stuff gets wiped. Oh, weird. Almost in like some crazy like it's dark like souls, type, demon yeah. souls it's, type huh. way. So it's like you could go into the first dungeon, but you have all the items you need to do, to like beat any of them. So it, it's actually kind of interesting you're like, "Oh, what am I actually supposed to use here? It's like I've got the hook shot and the weird floaty thing and the fire think, rod and whatever. Is Hamilton on or someone and he was talking about this too. Yeah. That could be. Yeah. Is it possible to like beat a certain dungeon in different ways, or do you pretty much have to have the correct? I mean, no, for it's it? it's still very. I mean, each yeah, each dungeon has yeah. their like no. showcase like item this is the or whatever. Or whatever. Yeah. 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 yeah, but there's like all the individual encounters inside of it. You could probably address with far more ways. Mm. Where in like an old Zelda, they'd be like, oh, hook shot the guy, shield right. away, stab, exactly stab, stab. Th- there'd be bosses yeah. where, I, where yeah. I thought, man, this boss would have been easier if I rented the bow, but I didn't have it, so I was. Huh. Good. That's yeah. interesting. Yeah, it was actually it. It was surprising and kind of cool. Like said, it, it did not just feel like another Zelda game. You said after the first half hour or so. So how much, uh, how much Zelda tutorializing is there in this game? <laughs> very little, actually. I was really, I was really impressed with, um, yeah. with how it lets you. Yeah, that's another very, very that early, and it's. It actually reminds me of the old Zelda games in which it's easy to get lost. The hints are yeah. very minimal. Okay, because I mean, obviously, the first Zelda game starts you off with nothing, and then. Link to the past. By then, you still had to go through the prescribed first fifteen minutes of going through the sewer, getting into the castle, right. and going back out through the other mm. sewer before the world. No, it's, yeah. it's there's a thing that's that, it seems. it's cl- like analogous to that. Yeah, it's pretty close to that. Okay, but um, it's definitely less than like, it was in Twilight like, Princess. You're in that was that two hours before you get yeah. to the overworld. Yeah, and appa- I didn't play Skyward Sword. At least for me, it was bad. I yeah, I didn't, uh, apparently really Skyward cool. Sword is like six, eight hours of that. What? Yeah, a lot of the cool items that you need are kind of oh, the cool items. The cool items, just the coolest of the items. <laughs> are. <laughs> I mean, they, they, they're not really part of the main plotline. Like the Pegasus boots and the power bracelet or whatever are just um, out there in the world for you to find, and mm-hmm. you can get them at any point. Or I, I, I assume you, there's a possibility that you might beat the whole game without getting them. Yeah, I don't they're know. Just kind of there. Yeah, I mean, it could be some dungeon yeah. later where it's like, oh, you better have this thing, or otherwise you're not getting in or whatever. Yeah, but it's in a it's in a house that you just need to go in and talk to some guy. Yeah. It really the game, the structure of the game encourages exploration. Without just hand holding you and pushing you in the right direction, which yeah. is which is cool. And yeah, it's really cool. Yeah, I like it. Unlike how like generally as game series tend to go on, they tend to become like more and more ossified as the things they do. And like yeah, feeling that yeah. way about Zelda is totally legit. But it's kind of crazy to see one kind of pull back and be like, yeah, no, that's awesome. Eh, I mean, actually, we want to do something like, different. It kind of sounds, and I could be wrong. I mean, it kind of sounds like that's how uh, people are feeling about the new Mario as well. Hmm. Like, or not, maybe? I don't know. It, it does. It's a mix, I think. Like, 3D World, from a moment-to-moment standpoint, feels very, very, very much like the old Marios, but they've also thrown away some of the stuff that was really cool about the pure 3D stuff, especially 64 and, to a lesser degree, Sunshine. Yeah. In that every, the single-player stuff of it, yeah, especially. Well, yeah. in that <laughs> every world in 3D World has multiple things you can do inside of it. Like, mm-hmm. there's lots of, like... You know, collect the eight thousand different types of coins, and you get get different. Like every world has three stars, stars inside of yeah. it that you can find. 
but it's not the same as <clears throat> as Mario 64, where there's these spaces that have multiple objectives inside of mm. them, and although only one of them is active inside of those worlds, like I think. I think it was Bennett Foddy who was talking about it on Twitter, and he said, in Mario 64, if you see some place like, out of the corner of your eye on a map and think to yourself, I wonder if I can go there, the answer is probably yes, even if it's right. not on the map. It's objective a different star. objective. You can yeah, still yeah, fall yeah. into all these uh-huh. weird places in the world. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and <clears throat> 3D World has less of that. It has less of that, and it's, yeah. I think yeah. in part because they brought back the timer mechanic from the really old 2D mm. Mario. So well, they've more, also been going that mm. direction, right? Like, I loved Galaxy a lot, but it but it was, you know, it did feel yep. super prescriptive, you know, prescriptive yeah, yeah. yeah mm. in the sense that, you know, it's the, the path is the path, basically. Yeah, right? Like, there's clever they're ways. They're trying to but, split the difference a little bit, I think, in 3D yeah. World, because mm-hmm. it is like, you're going through, but always keep your eye out for weird things that you can yeah. find but it's not quite the same it's, it's just like I've I'm inside a completely other part of this world that I didn't yeah. know existed yeah. it's like they're constantly reducing his moveset so you feel less I don't know like oh yeah that's actually true I, I didn't no triple jump in I, the game yeah, which, I, which was upsetting to me I, like, didn't, <laughs> I didn't notice that but in, in Mario <laughs> Super Mario 3D Land so, you have oh, yeah. basically your exact moveset for Mario 64 where you can do the jump and then the hop and then the triple jump or mm-hmm. if you slam backwards he'll do the backflip that has a little bit of extra height and stuff and in 3 that was 3D land on the 3DS, but in 3D world, yeah. it's just a jump and a double jump, I think, if that. It's a wall, there's a wall you, and there's, there's wall yeah, slides there's and stuff. Yeah. So like the Mario's. Well, you, you, Mario's I think you can do the backflip, but you can't do yeah. the. Well, you, there's no triple jump. Yeah, you can do that yeah. thing where you run in a circle for run in a circle for a while, yeah. and you get fast, and you jump, and you'll get extra height and yeah. like floatiness yeah, the, out of the it. The moveset is definitely it's reduced definitely compared different. to what it was in 3D land and even Mario's which is like, you have a ridiculous moveset in that game. I love it. I love the sense yeah. of exploration you had in, in that game and Sunshine actually as yep, well. I agree. Um, yeah, Sunshine even more so. I like Sunshine. Yeah. I, I wish they I wish they evolved in that direction a little more rather than. I mean, I, Galaxy was obviously an amazing game, but I wish mm-hmm. they had made yeah, a yeah, no, totally. Mario sixty four star game in which the Galaxy levels were like sort of a part of a world. Of, and, mm-hmm. Yeah, with a bit more variety. I don't know. But, yeah. 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 It seems like Nintendo right now reminds me very much of some of the stuff that was happening in. I guess the, I was going to say in the GameCube phase, but it was more like when the when the GBA showed up and uh, was it the GBA? Or was it, I guess the first the first DS. Sorry, when like Phantom mm. Hourglass showed up and yeah, yeah. New Super Mario Brothers showed up, and you felt like Nintendo was very aggressively going through like a mechanics uh, culling phase, basically right. where they sort of cut a bunch of cruft out of their games, and it's, it's built up again, and it feels like the new Zelda game and the new Mario games are both sort of that again of like well erase half of the things that have been in these games right. and go back yeah. to the formula yeah. closer. Yeah. I feel like Except Mario, you on a fu- yeah. you're painting on a fucking wall. Whatever. But Mario 3D World feels <laughs> it's good. similar to New Super Mario Brothers Wii U or you to me because it, I don't know it's, it's very um, like uh, linear stages. Mm-hmm. Um, it's it's still fun but it, it again it's like yeah, cutting the moveset and like, giving you like, yeah. yeah. From, it's, it's good. It's, it's really good but um, I I, I I do miss those those older games. Yeah, for me, I've only ever played any of those games. Sorry, the the all the two D Wii ones and then three D World. I've only ever yeah. played entirely four player co op, yeah. and it's clear that they're not when I mean, they're not meant for that. But they clearly support that very explicitly. Mm. And I think the more I mean, Patrick kind of talked about this news on a few weeks ago, but like the slightly more linear levels and stuff. Mm. Like you can't oh, ha- you, you couldn't really have like a crazy three D explorative thing 
that you're meant to play with four people at the no. same time. I believe Toe Jam and Earl solved this problem oh. on Genesis. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, the way the Lego Star Wars games do it oh, yeah. Is, yeah. is really, 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 really good. That is Have great. you seen two-player co-op in the Lego games? Mm. It's supposed to, it's supposed Where the camera screen. just... Yeah. Once two characters walk too far away... Oh, it actually away, just pops it, it in just half? A split just... Yeah, the screen just takes nice. in half, but then if one character is further north than the other character, the split just rotates around yeah, so that you're... Whoa! You're it's, whoa. it's the most incredible same screen, uh, like, co-op. split camera co-op that yeah. I've ever seen. Those, I don't know if they... All, if Nuts. The future LEGO games do that, but the at least the early LEGO Star Wars games did, and it was... Like, I was shocked. That's pretty you just cool. don't even it's, notice that it happens yeah. at first. It's so good. Yeah. There was a yeah, feels so natural. Like, yeah. It's, 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 yeah, yeah. I guess that would be really tough in a game that's all about jumping over platforms. But maybe a touch. Um, this podcast has just become the fucking Nintendo podcast. <laughs> this month. We put all those basketball <laughs> images up, uh, but what we should have just put up was a thousand pictures Mario. of Mario. Yeah. <laughs> a thousand pictures of Luigi. Oh, it's, yeah. The oh, year's man. not over yet. Fiscal year of Luigi. It is. It's going to be dishonored extended. year of Luigi. Yeah, coming up. Yes. Yeah, the year of Luigi. I hate that the year of Luigi was extended. I know it's bullshit. Technically, the year it of lays Luigi it even was announced in February, so I think guess they have through February. Because mm. yeah, I guess that is Luigi's fiscal yeah. calendar. It does. But that, but it that's, does. That's a year of Luigi, not the year of Luigi. Yeah, <laughs> it does completely just cop to it being a, a bullshit. Like there's nothing. <laughs> like oh, I guess it's more year of Luigi still, guys. Luigi games. Buy them. Yep. <laughs> Buy our games. I'm Reggie. Well, maybe this I guess is, Reggie is that I'm Reggie. Buy our games. Buy our games. I guess that's what Reggie <laughs> that's, does now. That's, that's uh, in the year of, in this year of Luigi. That's what Reggie. Oh does. yeah, yeah, yeah. Maybe it is just going to get into some Orwellian situation where it just <laughs> it is always been. It's, it's, yeah, it's always been the year of Luigi. Yeah. Or just this is the it's, first. This is year the of first Luigi. year of Luigi. <laughs> 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 this is the only year of Luigi, but I have that game. You do not have that anymore. This is the first year of Luigi. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. That, that concludes our Nintendo segment. <laughs> Unless it doesn't. I don't know. I I'm guess that was all the Nintendo that. games I played. Did you guys see that uh, VGX? We oh, saw God. all of it. Oh, Did you guys see that VGX? Well, <laughs> the reason I bring it up is because I want to talk it. about No Man's Sky. That no thing is crazy. Norman Sky. Norman Sky. Norman's Norman's Sky. Sky. <laughs> so as a preface, I didn't realize until Tom Francis pointed it out on the internet that No Man's Sky is totally just a play on No Man's Land. Yeah, obviously. Well, obvious to you, maybe. <laughs> you smug I don't bastard. Think it's a, I don't think it's a good name. It's my least favorite thing that I know about that game. Really? Yeah, I kind of like it. It's because it's well, no, only because it's hard to say. Like, sure. no, no man's sky. Like, it just doesn't fly. It doesn't it's, it's, roll off. The, yeah, no it's, ma- it's man's sky. Yeah. yeah, no man's land is a really good lilting phrase that yeah, sounds really yeah, good. Yeah. No man's sky is just forced into. Yeah, all those no man's s's land. are crammed all in there. Yeah, yeah. Man's sky. Man's sky. Yeah. Man's guy. No man's guy. No man's guy. <laughs> Norman's guy. Norman's guy. I'm not. <laughs> hopefully, the pop, hopefully your character at one point in the game. Is ordered to do something. At which point he says, "I'm no man's guy," <laughs> and then play, and then plays by his own rules. He's Norman Sky, no man's guy. <laughs> I'm Norman Sky, and I'm no man's guy. <laughs> Players assume the role of Norman Sky in No Man's Sky. <laughs> A really cool looking game. Also, it's fucking crazy that it's by the guys who made Joe Danger. That's I like, know super that game weird. is being made by yeah. four people, four people. Yeah. three programmers, and one four artist. people. That's crazy. Yeah. 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 It's really shocking. It, that's one of the Ugh. reasons. I, I mean, it it looked really cool before I realized that they hadn't staffed up any more than that. But still, even aside from that, it is one of the most fascinating things 
about the game that is yeah. being made by such a small team. It basically delivers on that province promise of every video game ever where it's like you get in the spaceship and then you fly across the ocean and then well, you just turn I, up started, and fly into so, the, the sky. On, I was like, is this Spore 2? Like what? <laughs> yeah. It starts in the yeah. ocean and it kind of looks like Spore. That's exactly what I It's yeah. like very saturated and the right. shapes are like pretty exaggerated. But then you get in a sick X-Wing. I know. But I mean, even in Spore, you go into space with a spaceship. Like That's true. I'm like, maybe. I don't fucking know. Um, spore meets dark spore. I feel like it, it, it seems like it seems like a video game that everyone Gray who's spore. ever said, "Hey guys, I've got a great idea for a video game." So we make the whole universe. Well, you no, can go it's to like what a fun. It's want. like okay. So if and you ever if you ever work at a video game studio, one yeah. of the things you get all the time is letters from like seven year old kids yeah. who are like, "This is this is the game that you should make. I'll make it if you can help me make it." And it's it's always that. It's like, what if you were running around and there was the entire world, and then you could get into a car, and the car turns into a plane, and you fly into the air. Then the plane turns into a spaceship, and you go into space, and you can shoot all the bad guys. Like that's like yeah. you know that's. I, I wrote those letters. <laughs> well, I was reading yeah. one of yours. And Hello Games received one of them and said, "This is a good idea." Idea, young Oliver. Yeah, yeah. Actually, just go into a pool and then, then get randomly distributed to any game developer. But there's a backlog, so the one that you wrote <laughs> just finally yeah. come out of the queue, and those guys made it. So, oh, cool. Congrats, creative director Ollie Moss. Yeah. There's a thanks, fifth employee. <laughs> yeah, it looks really cool, though. Yeah, I got yeah. one of those at Telltale, uh-huh. uh, but it just says, really? "Dear Telltale Games, here are the games that I think you should make." Lego Transformers. <laughs> and, oh, I can't even fucking remember all of them. It was basically Lego Ninja Turtles. Lego, it was just... Did they mean to write to Traveler's Tales? Yes, they meant to write to Oh, Tales. that's and so good. It, that's I, so I, good. I it for like, years because I kept meaning to send it on to Traveler's Tales, and then I never did, and then oh, I just no. kept it because it was like from Jimmy, age eight. So, yeah. Oh, God. No one's ever going to write this kid back. I oh, ruined his life. Bummer. Well, hopefully Man. he hates video games now. Yep. You know, send him a copy of The Walking Dead and say, yeah, thanks Jimmy, for this is for you. Just cut out the word Lego and fix it. Right. Yeah. yeah. Um, the only time I ever received one of those working at any studio ever was when I was working at Hothead back when we were making Death Bank. This guy sent this, like, two-page-long diatribe about how we should never trust LucasArts. Oh, I have... <laughs> we have that at... Someone sent the exact same letter to Double Fine. Oh, man. <laughs> was it, like, written in, like, thick black, like, like serif font? Yes. Like, yes. Yeah. Uh-huh. Wait, did Ron just take it when he went to Double Fine? Or did you guys actually get one I as don't know. Well? It's been on our wall for, for ages. Oh, my God. That's so good. I wonder if he did. What if he just it's, found, they, like... It, they talked about Telltale in it, too. Like, <gasps> they mentioned a bunch of different studios that people associate with LucasArts. Oh, my God. Yeah. I don't think Telltale got one of those. Or if they did, our HR person filed it away Oh, I should take a picture of it. Yeah, it was crazy. It oh, was, yeah, it like, was nuts. It was like, you are not the enemy. They are the enemy. Yes! Like, oh, my God, it really is the same letter. Jesus! <laughs> <laughs> you guys uh, know that if all, like, if if you find all of these that were ever sent and combine them, there's a weird little, like, it's true. It's triangle and, and, like, shape in the side that if you line them up. Put lemon juice on the back. Yeah. <laughs> There's a map. The paper. Yeah. Yeah. There's a map. It just goes to the Presidio. (laughs) (laughs) Goes to the Yoda statue. Yeah, it says, do not go here. (laughs) Now that you've assembled this, stay away. It would now just kind of go to a sad, empty room, which is yeah, really which is even more of a bummer. <laughs> and I'm glad we that both guy got what he wanted. Sad. I'm glad both. Yeah. Oh yeah, it's the classic that classic oh, yeah. letter about how LucasArts is the enemy, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah classic. Hey, yeah, just yeah. that one. Yeah, yeah. yeah, it's cool. Thanks. Well, guy. you guys don't. Have, you guys don't have. I didn't get one of those. Mm-hmm. I got the one about Lego Ninja Turtles. It's <laughs> still pretty good. So that's probably better. What were we talking about? No Man's Sky. Oh yeah, No Man's Sky. I'm not. Uh, I'm. I'm. 
a little unclear on the multiplayer elements. It's they. There was a Rock, Paper, Socket interview about this hopefully, game. Yeah, yeah, let's just say, given everything else this game does, hopefully their multiplayer is every player is online at the same time in the same world, because uh, then that kid's letter would probably actually be answered <laughs> right. in full. <laughs> right. <laughs> it's weird, because it sounds like that is and is not the case. It sounds like everyone's actions affect the world, but you aren't actually playing with everyone. at this. Like, you're not like, yeah, sharing the same yeah. space. So, Oh, so it's it's like uh, everyone, the world is the cube of curiosity, what's inside right, the cube. Right, exactly. That's what it they're that's taking what the, actually They're taking the 22 like. cans multiplayer model. <laughs> Horribly, that's <laughs> sort of what I thought of. <laughs> Chris said that, gross. I didn't, but, 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 I mean, but I think that's actually correct. But, so I mean, that, that means... So like, the thing they said was like, so if, for example, if you, if you drive a... Species to extinction, that species will wink out of existence in everyone's game. But does that mean that they like literally? If you see a bird flying around and someone else makes it go extinct, like it just despawns from your game? Yeah. Like I don't know. The, the way he gave his answer didn't really make sense to me. But might, be that, they're still figuring. Yeah, I was about to say. It yeah, might just mean they haven't figured it out. I, I, I suspect that's the case. But the thing is, I don't want that to be true. Like yeah. I want it to either be people are in the same world. Or you just have your own world and that's it. And I, I really don't want yeah. anything in between. Yeah. Like I don't. I mean, you could, yeah. you could probably get like ten percent of the way there, where there's a little bit of like shared crossover. But if it's like you can a, a million assholes in things, the world, they'd have to be things that have like causality that is yeah. plausible. If you don't see the the um, thing that catalyzes it, right? oh, yeah, totally. Because a thing just going extinct makes no sense. But if it's like, well, because of things people have collectively done, this faction is like declaring war. Yeah, like that, totally. That's totally fine. That makes sense because to a normal player, that's a black box anyway. Like that's yeah, that yeah. can happen for any reason. Like I mean, the yeah. way they described it, uh, the structure of the game was what you start on the edge of the galaxy and you gradually sort of move your way right towards the center. But what if huh. it was everybody? Like, and it, what if everybody playing was procedurally building the same galaxy just by being in it and then it sort of coalesced the center. That would be insane and awesome, but oh, so even more like I curiosity. See, see. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but then the, just, the, the, I just really want someone to make more curiosity. Games. The trick <laughs> thing is that the mass of all of those ships just crunch into each other and form a new a black hole. Ball. Wait, co- yeah. co- collapses and then re blows up a new galaxy. Yeah, speaking Once of curiosity. <laughs> Good. So continue. Okay. So, have you guys heard about the PS4 version of Curiosity? What? I don't know if it's real or not. Someone on Twitter was like, oh, man, PS4 Curiosity. Wait, was it Peter Molyneux? No. Well, I don't know. Maybe. I don't think so. But I think it was someone else. But, I, but I'm but i not sure if it's real or not. Like, I'm not sure if it's someone's joke. It looked like a very convincing thing that that I could imagine being. Do you use the, the PS4 DualShock 4 Touch? <gasps> I don't even know. your cube. Like, I, I couldn't tell if it was a joke or not. Um, it was like HD curiosity that as it intended HD to be experienced. I'm like, experience. what the fuck? But now we know it must not be real. It must be someone's joke. But there could be something new. This could be a new, this, this could be curiosity cubed. I don't think it's real. I don't no. think it's real either. Someone <laughs> made a really convincing... Oh, like, someone derailed it. I can't find it. Yeah, I can't find it. It must have just been someone's weird thing. Because it was... Cause this is the thing, right? If it was any other... Ga- okay, it was Peter Molyneux, Chris. Oh, he it was, really? <laughs> Curiosity <laughs> Definitive Edition is coming next month on PS4. <laughs> oh, man. Good job to that guy. See, the thing is, if it was any other game... Of would, course, though, it would be joke. obvious whether yeah. it's a joke or not. But this, this entire, the entire existence of curiosity is already so absurd on its face. It's like, what if there's a game where everyone clicked a bunch of cubes for like six months? You know, like I mean, at that yeah. point, like, what is it? Yeah. Oh, of course they wouldn't put that on PS4. Like, yeah, yeah. This is the image I saw. God, that's so funny. 
Yeah. Curiosity good. Definitive Edition. HD Next Gen Visuals. Tiles not reflect in real time. <laughs> Tap using the exciting new PS4 touchscreen. Okay. That's, yes. Of course, a little fake sounding. New life-changing prize. That was the part that was entirely <laughs> believable to me. Yeah, that's the problem. Is that like that could actually just show up on a 22 cans PR feed? Yeah. Be like, oh, I mean, okay. This is the thing, right? I know that that's fake now, <clears throat> but if the, if if Peter Molyneux released that tomorrow, I'd be like, oh yeah, sure. <laughs> like, new it's prize. entirely believable. <laughs> have you been? You said that you were checking out some stuff in the IGF. Did you have anything you wanted to? Um, I don't know. I uh, let me print it out. Sorry. Um. Huh? I said, I said, I don't know, in a way that reminded me of the QVC guy talking about the horse picture. No, no one knows. Look at that horse. Yeah. Press print. You print it out. You print it out. Anyway. It's good. Sorry. I just had an episode. Um, <laughs> you feeling a little, little stroke there? Nick and I opened our last night's Spelunky stream with that infomercial. <laughs> so it's just been in my head for the last, like, 18 hours. Um, oh, fuck. Um I played Samaros 3 for a while. Uh, oh. It's weird to me that... I mean, it was gorgeous. Yeah, that exists. I know. It, yeah. Um, I didn't even realize it was... Wait, what is this, what is this game? Do you know Samaros? Do you ever Samaros? play Samaros? No. Oh, man. You should, you should definitely Sorry. check this out. Do you know the game Machinarium? Yeah, I do. It's yeah. the game... Those guys made Samaros and Samaros 2 before, before they that. made that. So there are other sort of adventure games made out of worlds that are these weird collages of, yeah. of found objects and yeah. sort of s- yeah. weird natural sculpture yeah. things. And they also made Botanicula, which is awesome. Oh, cool. Oh, yeah. yeah. I don't know what that is. Um, the really thing good. that is what was funny to me about encountering Samaros 3 in the in the IGF is that... Oh, have you seen this this adorable game, Samaros? Yeah, right. Like, <laughs> 10 years ago, in on adventure game websites, the thing that would happen basically every week in the forums, would someone would post a link to Samaros, which at the time was just like... just a, People just Arbitrary linked to like an SWF. Game. Like, it was just like a Flash game. And uh, they'd be like, oh, I found this weird little game called Samaras. Like, oh, wow, you should definitely check it out. And it happened so much that it became like a joke unto itself. Like a little meme. <laughs> that, yeah, that, like people were constantly linking to this thing as if they had just found it. Um, and so I, the Samaras games in my mind are always just this weird little like curiosity that only – that just – Exist as a PS4 exclusive, as, as, a, <laughs> as uh, right the true vision uh, on the PlayStation 4 computer entertainment system, um, because then they you know they followed those up with uh, Machinarium and Botanicula, and I'm like oh okay those are the things that they're doing now that are they're trying to like presumably make money from and blah 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 blah, blah. and it was funny to see this thing Samaras three and be like wow weird Samaras three I guess this is like a franchise. Like, it's a series with multiple games in it, and there's a new one now yeah. that's being submitted for awards. Like, it was weird. It just – it caused me to uh, to think about the game in a way I've never thought about a Samaras game before because they've always just been incidental curiosities um, in, Samaras in my mind. Samaras 2 cost money, I think. Oh, did it? Okay. I mean – I don't yeah, remember. I, you're yeah, probably, yeah, 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 you're probably right. Yeah, I yeah. think that was their first sort of foray into commercial releases was yeah. Samaras 2. But anyway, is Samaras 3 – just another Samaras? Like, does it I mean, exist it seems in like, like it, a post uh, well, Machinarium world at uh, all? Or, you know, because like that game was just <clears throat> felt like they were trying to introduce yeah. new things so, instead of the. Right. Uh, so I guess one of the reasons maybe they made this a Samaras game and not something else is that it is more it is more simplistic, at least seemingly so, hmm. so far than like Machinarium. It feels, it does feel like a Samaras game where you're basically just cl- walking around and clicking on things, which I, I guess is true. Of Machinarium as well, but that game 
I feel just like, by virtue of having the, like the leg extending exactly, stuff, right. it, uh-huh. it, it felt like there was a tiny system inside of it. Yeah, um, this game has a weird thing where you have a um, like a, a listening horn. What is that thing called? You know, we'll call it a listening horn. <laughs> ear horn. I think it's just an ear horn. Yeah, uh, your character gets an ear horn and like. <laughs> A bunging hook, and you can, uh, <laughs> as you walk around the world, certain objects like emit um, sort of concentric circles that signify you can drag the horn onto it and then hear this like beautiful soundscape they produce. Hmm. And I honestly I haven't played enough of it to really understand what all like the full implications of all that are. Sometimes it causes p- pretty little graphics to appear on the screen and so on, but um, it's largely atmospheric and exploratory and kind of. A lot of trial and error. I mean, it feels like a Samaras game, you know. I mean, I'm sure it's not everyone's cup of tea, but uh, it was nice to play it, and it was also nice to see sort of uh, the guys who make it. Obviously, they've made so many. They've made like half a dozen games or whatever at this point, and it does seem like they're more able to just put in weird special case things and like interesting bits of content and systems when they feel like it. Like it's cool, you know. Like it's just it's cool to see uh, having started from such a simplistic base like 10 years ago or whatever. Um, just this very kind of very slow um, increase in like ability and, uh, and breadth. I don't know. It's, nice. it, was weird. it was a weird thing to play. It felt very nostalgic because it obviously is deliberately not super progressive or modern. You know, mm-hmm. like it's still just mm-hmm. yeah. kind of a weird thing that feels like something someone would just find and tell you about. Right, right. You know, you, I, I, it, I'm sure they – market these games somehow but they don't feel like games that even can be marketed because they're so deliberately low-key like all the sound design is presumably just the sound designer's voice like he's just making the sounds with his mouth and you know treating them he puts reverb on them and stuff but like everything has this very consciously um small inward looking Mm -hmm. feel to it which is nice like it all everything feels of a piece like it's 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 really charming um and there's a lot – it's the kind of thing where the way the game plays, I probably wouldn't have a lot of patience for in most circumstances, right? Like I wouldn't want most games I play to be just you walk around and occasionally click on something and arbitrarily something happens based on almost no predictable right, like, like outcome. Like Weird leaves but, come blowing out of the yeah, background or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but, but, you know, these games do – like it really is a testament to the fact that everything in it – like games are just holistic creations like – no one system is inherently good or bad and like no structure is good or bad. Um, and this only works because of the trap, the trappings of the rest of the game and so, how they choose to contextualize it. So would you it. call yeah. Samaras like a non-game? <laughs> <laughs> like a not game? Oh God. Like it's not even a game? I would, would you call it like not even a game? I would say more like not even a game. It's like a book. Yeah, I would say it's like a book. <laughs> Just like a Why book. Why didn't they put this in the independent book festival? <laughs> Like a children's book for babies. Like a pop-up children's book. Gross. Anyway, it just seems pretty cool. Did you uh, did you play Depth? It was in the IGF. No, I don't. I, don't I got assigned to judge that. Uh-huh. Uh, I'd heard about it before, but I hadn't had a chance to play it. Um, I think you can buy or at least play the alpha beta now. What is it? It is a multiplayer game that is asymmetrical, like round-based multiplayer, where one team of people is divers... And the level starts out with you just a bunch of you and your buddies get launched out of a like a shark cage, and you have to go around this crazy underwater whatever and find pieces of treasure and bring them back to the cage. But then the other team are a bunch of people playing sharks, and their job is to eat you. 
So you, as like the... That sounds pretty good. As, yeah, as like, the, as like the lame, wimpy little divers, like you don't really have much you can do. Like you can get some weapons, but not really very effective, and the ammo is really limited. And so you end up having to be like sneaky. Like if you think there's a shark around, you got to like kill your lights and climb off into some kelp and hope the shark doesn't see you as and their job is obviously just to like you and i think i didn't i only played on the diver side i didn't play on the shark side uh but, but i you think did play it with other people i think i just played it with bots okay which well, is why you can't even tell if it has bots that's fine because yeah i mean i i encountered some games in the igf that were only multiplayer and didn't have bot support and that's uh, that's tough yeah that, that, that was people. unfortunate i played around with other things that reacted but based on their names and conduct i think they were bots but it was cool. I mean, it's like cool that you aren't positive. When you say con- yeah, when you like, say that's pretty awesome. <laughs> you mean you asked them questions and they went, well, they went. Civil review? <laughs> they, they, they were, like, no, they were, they were quite polite, so yeah. I figured I wasn't playing with random people on the internet. <laughs> I mean, it was obviously still pretty rough, but I think like uh, six to twelve months from now, that game could be really, really, really cool. Mm-hmm. It um, like, did y'all ever play any of the old Alien versus Predator multiplayer, like the very, very first no, Rebellion no, really? one? I kind of missed out on. Yeah. That it reminded me of that a lot in so a really good way. It's 3D, yeah. Okay, yeah, oh, wow. it's all 3D first person or oh, first oh, shark. Interesting. That's cool. That is not how I imagined it when you described it. Yeah, sorry. Yeah, yes. I, I pictured flat 2D. Yeah, 2D. Me too. Yeah, no. Sorry. So you as a diver no, are are it's it's all okay. You you played as a diver, not as a shark. I played as a diver. So mode. we don't know if the shark mode is inside of the shark's mouth. It is. I've seen screenshots. So that's very. <laughs> it's very much. Wasn't that um, in Giant Citizen Kabuto when you played as Kabuto? Wasn't there a Kabuto mouth cam that was um, just teeth that would go? There to might have been. People? There might have been. That's right. Anyway, whatever. Yeah. Um, but yeah. Good it, mouth cam. Yeah. It seemed like it would. Yeah. Like I said, it was kind of rough, but in six in six to nine months, it could be a really, really, really cool game. Cool. That Sweet. I would play a lot of. Yeah. Depth. Speaking of other games that uh, I feel similarly about, maybe maybe doesn't need six to nine months, but. Um, is this game Sound Self? Are you, have you guys heard of this? I had never heard of it until I until I played it. Uh, yeah. Is that um, Robin's game? Yes. Robin Arnott? Yeah. Yes. Okay. Um, so this is interesting. This is a game that requires a microphone, and the whole game is just... You, you're, the intended experience is to turn off all your lights, put headphones on, and have a microphone, You know, be it a headset or like a webcam or just whatever, anything that gets sound in the computer. And you just make like sounds, like long sustained tones, hums, or like, uh, or just whatever... And like what as, other sounds could you make? Um, you know, like okay, that, for example. Cool. Or yeah. like, like, ooh. Okay, cool. Yeah. Like, like that is definitely an example. Okay. Um, and as you... And I know how this, the objective of this game. <laughs> <laughs> as, as, you, as you make these sounds, the game... It's basically just a visualizer, right? It's like, it's like a Winamp visualizer or something, um, but all specifically just real-time input from you and intended for long sustained tones rather than like beat detection and stuff like that. Um, and it's just kind of a weird, like trippy sort of just experience you have. And the readme file said more con like he intends to add more content. And I don't entirely know what that means, but I feel like it does need something, not like a goal or levels or anything, but just right now as you do it, it's yeah. Right now when you play it, it's like, this is pretty cool, but it feels like, the suggestion of something that right. would be, you know, it doesn't feel like it transcends the con- concept right now. Right. Um, but I feel like it could be something that's a really cool thing to just space out with. I nice. don't know. Interesting. Um, so that was something that I 
was glad to be made aware of. Yeah. I, when I was at Gamer Camp in Toronto, which is like a game event there, mm-hmm. sound self was set up in one room, mm-hmm. but I didn't initially know it was there. So I was hanging out. I think I was waiting to do an interview or something. And I just heard this like bellowing and all these weird noises right. coming from the room up one floor. I'm like, what the hell is going on up there? And someone's like, oh no, it's sound self. It's like, oh, I see. I, um, yeah, I did actually in the judge discussion thread, there were people who were saying, if you've played this in an installation setting, it is significantly better than playing it just mm, on your computer, mm. which I would totally believe. That, yeah. that, that seems completely, you know. Yeah, game game people sense. seem to be digging it. Yeah. That's cool. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm trying to think what else I played. I played a bunch. I, God, I played so much stuff. I don't know. I'll have to think about it. Maybe we take a break. Yeah, let's yeah. take a break. Okay. Video game. <laughs> what was that all? <laughs> no way. We're back. Oh, hey, 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 listeners. No, oh, oh. <laughs> <laughs> oh, this face was fantastic, though. How about that device six? <laughs> oh, are we back, Chris? I guess we're back. Cool. Sounds like we're back. Device six <laughs> is good. Yeah, I started playing it recently. Like I it? got stuck. Oh, did you beat it? Oh, stuck, good. Bro. How sad is that? In the first part? I, I, I don't know, I guess. Okay. I mean, I don't know what, I don't know how long a part is. How long? I haven't finished it yet. Do I they think, call I think them I'm part like, one, part two? Because I don't really remember. Uh, they're like chapter breaks-ish. Yeah, okay. I, I, was, I, was so into, I was so into the sort of pros. I got to the point where I actually had to do something. And I, was like, I know, right. Me too. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's cool. It's I was, was The thing that impressed me most, actually, was the... Was the all the audio stuff? Mm-hmm. Mm, yeah, like that, that that was really impressive. Yeah, um, it's really good. Just the general, um, I don't know the the mixing of sound like soundtrack music and then positional audio, so to speak. Like mm, as yeah. you scroll through the pros, like the game, the story of the game is told just in text. Um, is there it, like ambient stuff that moves or that goes yeah. on? Yeah, it's or? as it's as though the room that is being described exists on a fixed point in like a the sentence. canvas that you're swiping past. Oh, awesome. Yeah. And so as you swipe further, the sound will move like, like from the right to the left yeah. in the stereo channels. Like um, as if your character is actually moving through it. And the text is sort of arranged in such a way as to suggest like mm. the layout of a house. I mean it's all very abstract. It's not it's, yeah. you couldn't you probably wouldn't actually draw a real map out of it, but like But it feels very tangible. Yeah, it it yeah. it's it's interesting. It's a cool it's, mix so of simple. things. Yeah, well, yeah it's, it's like very so, simple. Yeah, yeah. Like just, just, so simple effect. But it's complex in ways that are surprising. Like when mm. when you see things through like a window that is like constructed into the page um and you pass by it like the way it's composed, like the way the elements are framed in parallax, yeah, yeah, is just like great. attention yeah. to detail yeah. has been spent in interesting ways. Yeah. It's cool. It's really interesting. I, I, I can imagine the story becoming not like the the story seems pretty stock in a lot of ways to me, and it feels very elevated by the presentation in a way that is yeah. like super awesome. Mm-hmm. I haven't gone um, far I, enough to make a judgment on that yet. But, sure. Yeah, fair enough. Yeah. But, yeah. Yeah. The way that the actual composition, of, like literally the composition of the text resembles a space totally reminds me of House of Leaves, which is a book I love to death. Yeah. Which is oh, really, see, I, I really did not like House of Leaves. That I, I would believe that. Until you said that. <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah, it's I, cool. I feel like I buy it in this more than I did in House of Leaves. Sure. Because it's like it, it's an interactive thing and I'm like, okay, yeah. they're messing around with like weird things on a screen. Yeah. In House of Leaves, I kind of found it annoying. Like it, gimmicky. It was gimmicky. Yeah. yeah. I didn't mind it. But that's I don't, no, no, I know people who like it. I told it like I'm not. I, it's okay now. Everyone just no, 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 no. <laughs> I, just, I don't mean to say House of Leaves is like a bad thing, right? No, like I, I have I, no I like it. It was, philosophical it was, like objection to it. It's yeah. just not. It wasn't for me. Yeah. You know. And there was another set of Flash games that Gregory Gregory Weir made. I forget. Is what that they're the guy called. who made this? Or? No, no, no. no. It was just a completely separate dude. But he did another thing where there was a bunch of like stories, but the like the actual text it was all like a bunch of like creative comment not creative comments uh just public domain stories and then as you kind of read through the story you were like moving through the level i remember there's one it was a lovecraft story i forget what it's called but it was like one of the ones in the desert and like some of the sentences were like blowing by as like mm. windstorm it was actually really really cool I'll, I'll see if i can find it and maybe like put in the episode thread about this or something but yeah they were cool games and they that that and house of leaves is what reminded me most of device six Oh, yeah, that's awesome. Sorry, the other thing I really want to quickly say about Device 6 is that so the sound design in general is really good, but also the music is like preposterously ambitious for a mobile game. Yeah. Like, the, not that there's any reason that shouldn't be the case, but it just rarely is. Like, usually I feel like music in at least mobile games that I've played tends to, you know, fit one of a few fairly obvious uh, set of sets of parameters, but this is like ni- interestingly arranged, like. Mm-hmm sort of pieces with a lot of jazz components to them and like mm. really interesting instrumentation and, and arrangement that is I just wouldn't have expected in a game that is basically text on a phone screen. You know, like it's it's weird it's very interesting what they chose to pour their resources into. Yeah. And I I like how every like every aspect of this game's balance sheet must be just totally out of whack proportionally with like any other game on this platform like it just doesn't make any sense you know it's like write tons and tons and tons of text and then do like a really really like lavishly arranged musical soundtrack like what like none of this is what you do on a phone game like it's just not ever even even games that are like very complex on a phone it's just usually not where they balance their effort um and i don't know if that was a if that was entirely intentional or if it was a result of the skill set of the team like like, i feel like people are getting used to um Reading uh, entire books on their phones with a Kindle app and stuff. Right, but ga- right, but I'm talking but, about the kind of games people play on a phone. You know, like they tend to be super light on text. Right, but this game is is clearly aimed at people. Like it, it, it seems like people yeah, read whole my, books on their phone. Yeah. People listen to albums with headphones. Exactly, that's, what, yeah, that's, my, that's my point. It's, so can we combine all sure. of that experience yeah. into a game? But yeah, yeah. right. I mean, obviously, oh, it yeah. doesn't yeah. exist in the game space. It's at cool all, and but. it's conceptually, I think, really interesting and successful. Um, but it's but it's definitely a rarity. Yeah, as, as far as a phone game in yeah. the games category of the yeah. App Store, it's right. weird. <laughs> yeah. yeah, but it's cool. I mean, and you're right. Like it it does it does make a lot of conceptual yeah. sense. But it's also a thing that would be difficult to make. Right? Like people can make mm. other kinds of of mobile games like pretty easily. I mean, it's hard to make any game good, but like there's some established frameworks for mobile games that are pretty easy to reproduce. Well, and like putting a book on a, on a phone is super easy. It's a formatting issue, but this is like a weirdly specific collection of things that I feel like would be really hard to reproduce. Well, yeah. Well, it just begs the question, is it really a game? So speaking of iPad things that have good soundscapes, uh, I doubt any of you guys have played blind sight. 
No, probably not yet. Presumptuous uh, intro. <laughs> None of us have played. But I've not played yeah. that game. It is a iPad game or iPhone game, I guess, that is played entirely with audio. Like there's no visuals oh, cool. at all. You uh-huh. just plug in the headset, and the premise is basically like you're like a doctor or whatever, and you wake up. And every, every, every <laughs> like a doctor, yeah, or whatever, doctor, whatever. Yeah, moon. Um, you uh, you wake up and basically everybody in the world has been like mysteriously struck blind. So you oh, have like to like book. the day of the chrysalids. Yes, but I was gonna say blind. That's, oh, cool. I don't know either of those. No, okay. is it day of the chrysalids? There's a day of the day of the triffids. Yeah, the, that's what I was. Thinking I also of. don't know that one. Really? Well, that's like classic sci-fi. It's mm. basically people wake up and everybody's blind, and then there's these horrible plant monsters that. No, how do they, they, how do they know that they're plant they monsters? Look at it and they get That's what it is. Blind yeah. The, yeah. Uh, and then crazy seeds land. Anyway, blind sight is actually it is actually it, is that it book actually told by a narrator that presumably has because it's just told in it John, disembodied third Linden? person that is yes. not blind. Yeah, it is. Yeah, yeah. Oh, he's the best. Anyway, uh, I'm sorry. <laughs> no. Um, yeah, I think I think everyone. I think even the narrator in Day of the Triffids is also wakes up blind, right? And that was the day that I woke up blind. Yeah. First. <laughs> it sure sucked. But no, I mean the pre- the premise of Blindside is remarkably similar. Um, but it's kind of cool because it actually does a pretty good job of placing you like, oh, if all of a sudden you had to wake up, you woke up and you couldn't see anything. Navigating through the world would be like really complicated and weird, and you'd just have to like kind of bumble through it. And Blindsight does that a lot too. I haven't finished it, but it's definitely like meant to be like kind of creepy. Um, it's cool and how is it very different. Like, how do you interact with this game? I mean, you just obviously, scream into it. Obviously, the, ah! you hear through sound, but is there yeah. are there touch controls that you just have to do yeah? And them, or the it... the direction that the iPad is facing in, like it's got it uses the um what the compass, the accelerometers, or whatever. All that and all that stuff. So that kind of controls what directions you're moving in. Um, there was another iPad game that was also played entirely audio called Papa Sangre, um, which is like you're wandering through this weird... Do you know weird, how to spell that? Yeah, P-A-P-A, Papa, and then Sangre like blood, S-A-N-G-R-E. Um, uh, Papa Sangre was cool, but like Blindsight is structured more than like it actually has... It's a game that has an end point where Papa Sangre is more just like you're wandering around in this weird under... Like this weird like Haitian voodoo underworld thing and it's just like you're wandering in a weird soundscape with a bunch of crazy stuff and Blindsight is slightly more structured than that um, but they're both interesting and they do cool stuff that not a lot of other things do cool. they're worth checking yeah, out that sounds awesome yeah you guys want to do some reader mail oh I thought all I was going to talk about the oh. latest battlefield no <laughs> <laughs> no okay no he's Good. not okay mail from the readers well, from from them, from you, the readers. Um, oh, hey, we should say one really important fact, Chris. What should we say? If you yeah. have a reader mail for us, oh, you should write yeah. us at questions at idlethumbs.net. Dot net. Yes. There's only one. We're not helping. No. It's nice <laughs> of you guys to be here, though. <laughs> Thanks, man. It's good to be here. Happy to sabotage this cast. I mean, enhance it. <laughs> All right. James Marchson says... You guys have talked before about how for a long time while they're being made, games have traditionally been or at least looked very unpolished. Sean said it was frustrating to see The Walking Dead appear such a mess for so long. The last 10% are the most important, etc. So with the increase of Kickstarter, Greenlight, Alpha Beta Access games, do you think there's more pressure to make them look more presentable earlier in the development process? Does this perhaps uh, cause a detriment to the developers? For example, locking them into a certain art style where previously placeholder assets may have been used. Cheerios. Uh, That's the end of the email. (coughs) 
Sorry, I don't know why I wrote it that way. Sorry. Yeah. I mean, I'd say it's almost certainly true, right? Like, if you, if, I mean, a big, uh, the thing that most Kickstarters are sold on is how they play, is how they look, right? Mm -hmm. Because you can't really communicate how it plays in a video, really. Like, you can try to sell the experience that the thing's actually going to evoke or whatever, but like, the ones that look good are the ones that get the dollars, and the ones that look like butt but have good ideas will maybe scrape by, if at all. Um, but of course, that's sometimes true. Some games do really well based on like concept art and stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but th- I mean, that's still like the the they're making a promise that the final game will look kind of like that concept. Yeah, but I think you have a lot more wiggle room. Sure, when sure, you sure. Haven't sure. showed a final real time. Yeah, render. That's absolutely true. I mean, not that that's bad. Like something like Hyperlight Drifter looks awesome. But it's clearly, it's like, oh, this is what they wanted this thing to look like. And they just yeah, kind of yeah, did yeah. it. And you're like, oh, awesome. Uh-huh. Okay, sweet. This is sure. actually a real thing. Make it go. Yeah. Um, but I think for some other people, it can definitely probably be pretty confining in a way that's not mm-hmm. ultimately great for them. I thought I had something to say. I guess I, I'm kind of optimistic about some of this stuff because I hope that what ends up happening, although I don't know if it actually will or is happening, is that people will see things like the concept art in the Kickstarter uh, or sort of the first pass of like an art test environment in one of these games. And then because the games are open access or because the development of them is, uh, you know, an actual open thing with live streams yeah. and stuff like that, that people will be able to see, okay, this is your like target art that you've made. And then here's the reality of like mm. the six month pit of feces. And then, <laughs> and then the final yeah. month of the end yeah. where the game looks good. And, it's my hope that developers don't try to hide that stuff from yeah. players because the whole yeah. upside, the, the biggest upside I think to all the stuff that we have going on right now with all the open access stuff is that finally the audience who consumes this stuff will understand and internalize the story of how it's made. Like I right. think we've we'll talked about this a million times. Yeah. But like everyone has internalized the story of how a movie is made, especially yeah, a fucking effects laden blockbuster because you've yeah. watched the Star Wars yeah, documentary the green two screens, million times. Like, yeah, like, the, the, yeah that, ping pong suit man. Like people just trust that you see actors dancing around on a green screen and that it's gonna yeah. look good at the end. Whereas when you see polygons flying out of a character left and right because the yeah. skeleton has a weird rigging issue. Yeah. People don't trust oh, that's it's going to look good. Like, oh, it's like bugs. A... Like it's, you yeah. know. Yeah. I don't know. What do, yeah. what do you think about that? You you don't make games. You just uh, look at them. Yeah, I mean, I suppose, <laughs> <laughs> that's true. But then I suppose, like, um, if you saw, like, crappy CG, like, being made, then it, and it was bad CG. I'm not talking about the actors on the green screen because that's something, I don't know, maybe it isn't like a little bit, but if you saw... Uh, like there's the first rough pass of like some crappy Pixar animatics you'd be like oh gross this but is like, bad you, you, and, you hear know, like you still hear about <clears throat> test screenings to that where people will say oh I saw a test screening and obviously the animation wasn't done yeah whereas when people see a game that's early I think they just say the graphics are I think part of that I just this well, was I don't a, know maybe this maybe just a, no I think you I think you are I tend to agree with you Jake and I it just, I'm right, Ollie. No, no, I do, I do agree. I, I think I, 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 people um, people are becoming more aware of uh, you know, the, how bad things are until the the last moment. And well, something that just occurred to me just now, I think most of this has to do. Chris Remo reveal right now. We're well, I, I I don't know. I'm just taking guess, but I, there's part of it that is that is what I think we've said before that I've said before, and you said just now, which is that people just don't have traditionally have not had very much visibility into how games are made, and so it's easy to assume the worst when you see something that looks shitty. There's probably another part of it, which is that movies, by the time they're done, like an animated film or a 
um, a highly CG laden blockbuster. Those, because they're just naturally, because they're pre-rendered and because they're completely authored, they are always at any moment going to be the most impressive version of CG that we as like a society are able to create at any time. Whereas a game, even a really nice one, is there are going to be janky things about it when there's animation that's player driven and when shit's blending together and when mm. shit is procedural. And so I think because we already know, like we just, as people who play games, we kind of understand it's actually possible to buy a completely finished game that can even be a really good game, but it has a bunch of janky shit oh, in you're it. Right. That's when you see the janky shit in development, you're like, fuck, I've seen that in finished games. Right, that's totally true yeah. because the worst thing that you can ever hear when a game is in the middle of development, or what, what, sorry, excuse me, when a game internally, when an element of a game is ready to go out the door and you excitedly show it to someone, and the question that they ask is, is, is this final? Right. Yeah. 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 Is this final? And you yeah. go... Uh, oh, maybe it's actually maybe not. It's not. <laughs> so I think that's true because as a player, you're right. If you if you don't even know anything about what the game is, you're just is this done? Is this what you think the game is? Whereas yeah. I guess in a movie, yeah. it's way more clear what's going to ship is going to be the best thing that is you've ever seen. Right. Or yeah. it's a bad movie. Also, yeah. like this isn't a video game specifically, totally but, but what happens when I sometimes post sketches of like really early things that I've done, people kind of like fill in the blanks themselves. They yeah. see the rough sketch and they say, well, this is what it's going to look like. Well, also and the, they see the final like the, the final execution of that sketch and they're disappointed because it doesn't look like yeah. they well, there's it something based on the rough stuff. So totally. Sometimes showing rough Why doesn't it look like those Star Wars posters? Well, but, yeah. also, <laughs> but also you can see... Yeah. Where's so the droid? You can see the artistry and the craft and the human in a rough sketch yeah. in a way that you can't in like a really shitty low-poly mm. animatic. That just right. looks like computer garbage. Like yeah. it doesn't yeah. actually... Like you might yeah. be totally charitable to it and understand that it's not done, but as a work on to itself it's garbage whereas a thing that is a sketch even if it's rough that could be very well something that is just beautiful in its own right but it, it is but but when, it, when it's a rough sketch people like people they can project they, onto they, it they, they project onto it they, oh, they, sure. they, they finish it themselves oh sure head, okay yeah and, then they have and that the, part of it also happens so, in so, games. Yeah, yeah. so showing yeah. Uh, yeah. stuff can often be detrimental to totally them. well that, one of the, my favorite examples of that is how Mar- how how nintendo um like key art from the 80s can be extrapolated in multiple different ways and people will get very fucking hardcore about like, no, it's absurd that that Link looks like this now because if you look at the old art, obviously he should look like a total badass or he should look like a whimsical cartoon because just look what it used to look like. And it's the same thing. It's like and the painting and the strategy right. guide or yeah, the manual. And like, or <laughs> we're at basically the same collection it's of stuff. It's actually 16 like, by 16 squares. Yeah, but yeah. that can be literalized yeah. in all different ways and you could be super convinced that like, no, well, obviously they were making it to well, look like the, this. The thing about yeah. that you really poke into it, which is, I don't know if it's worth talking about a ton or not, but like the way that Mario is represented in Pixels, he that is not... Our, like the way Nintendo's process worked at the time was not uh, Pixels first. It was very much like oh, Miyamoto yeah. drew Miyamoto Mario, illustrated, and then yeah. they hired the dude whose name I can never remember. Who's the guy who's the total like the really clean line sort of like old Japanese cartoon style illustrations of you Mario. mentioned him like two episodes ago. Yeah, yeah. He I think was brought in to to sort of clean up and make Miyamoto stuff more consistent, and then they took that and did pixel interpretations of that. So there was mm. a, a canonical like three Mario. Yeah, like, but he he existed as a full like codified character design before he was in Pixels, and I don't know if that's the case with Link or not. It seems like that yeah, game, really know. That, that game style guide has always been way more sort of just floating. Yeah, those but, the, yeah. Link how Link looks has changed a lot more than how Mario yeah. looks. Yeah, sorry, yeah. that's totally a sidetrack on this, but I mean, Mario is one where you actually can say this is what he's supposed to look like because sure. he existed as a fully designed yeah, yeah, yeah. character that, that's a good before point. anything else. But 
And that's true, I guess, because a lot of the Link stuff probably like when Link was illustrated for the strategy guide or the rule book or like an ad or a piece of marketing or whatever, a lot of that was probably secondhand in the sense yeah. that it then came later. But yeah. but we all know the true Link is for grownups and is dark. Right. Yeah. <laughs> um, anyway, the thing I was going to say um, to go back to games is one of the – so like <laughs> – Enough about Zelda. Let's talk about games. <laughs> oh, <laughs> oh, shit. oh, man. I'm the worst. I didn't mean that at all. Um um, I, I've brought this up before, but I'm going to again. I feel really bad that I'm doing this because it's the company I work for. But um, one of the craziest things about the Massive Chalice development, Massive Chalice was the second Kickstarter Double Fine did for a totally different game that's like a fantasy um, kind of XCOM-inspired tactical strategy game. And uh, it actually blows my mind how completely open those guys are being with development. The Like Brad Muir and his team, every two weeks they do a live stream and they just show the game. And they've been doing that for months. Like, they, it doesn't matter how shitty that game looked when it was, like, a week into development, when it was literally just white boxes walking around an environment. Like, the, like Double Fine has this character called the Pizza Box Man, which is just a bunch of – it's like a character created out of just a bunch of white, pris, like, rectangular prisms to yeah. just have something up and running. And, like, they just showed the game when it looked like absolute dog shit. And they've been showing it every two weeks. And I think that is – amazingly valuable and I think the people who are actually watching that every two weeks are getting a super like absurdly mm. valuable and rare look into how because yeah. like Brendan Chung who's making Quadrilateral Cowboy has been streaming his development every day I think or most days and that's super awesome and that's becoming a more common thing among small developers the enemy starfighter guys doing the same thing that's super awesome um, I love that on Massive Chalice it's actually like a full team of like you know a dozen it's people it's way closer or whatever. to like a triple A model yeah. even though it's Which, small which is not in any way like to disparage smaller developers. Like, I fucking love what smaller developers are doing. Um, but seeing what a larger team is doing will allow people to contextualize other larger team games right. a little more cleanly because the roles are a little more normal. It's like this is the person who does this role. This is the person who does that role. And that's a, a l- easier to draw parallels between yeah. that and another game. I want, I want game development to get to the point where like two 11-year-old kids can be <clears> – <throat> Sitting there watching this stuff, and then one one kid is like, "This looks bad." They look like, "No, no, no! They just haven't done the rigging yet." Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know? no, yeah, exactly. Like, That'd be amazing. I, it is. I don't know. I just me and my friends just you internalize that's the stupid wipes of like, uh-huh. or you know, the thing where it's like the actor walks through a scene and then it does the little like shitty white bar wipe, and then you see like the bad unlit uh, miniatures with the guy in the shot, and then the next uh, wipe uh-huh. goes by, and then everything's properly green screened, and then the next wipe goes by and it's color graded, like mm-hmm. that just. You know, right. as a human being, what goes from the garbage to the good, and in video games, I just, from the garbage does to the that good. Affect, does that affect your like enjoyment of it? I wouldn't you rather see it after you've played the final product I don't rather ca- than beforehand? Uh, I, I, don't I mean, care. I think in, in yeah. the specifics, maybe sometimes. Yeah, yeah, I think those are two different discussions. I think, right? like, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. You're, you're right that like, were I watching a huge Hollywood blockbuster that I was yeah. really excited about, if I just gorged on the featurettes before I saw it, it would be a bummer, but I think having this stuff exist as a historical record that can then be packaged up mm. and shown to people to be like, here's oh, how, this it is how it got here. Also, yeah. however I, it works, just I want yeah, people yeah. to internalize the knowledge of what yeah. it looks like across Also, I do think it makes a difference what kind of game it is. I think time. like a game like Massive Chalice that is intended to be a game you play a lot of times and that is yeah. like battle, like maps where like elements of it are randomized every time you play it like mm. that's going to be a game that i mean i know it that doesn't those, matter if you see how yeah it's i know those guys yeah. are working on cool narrative stuff and there's going to be surprises and I, I suspect they're going to 
those things they will share probably fewer of them on the live stream for that exact reason. Exactly. But like this is a good candidate game, I think, because a lot of the processes involved are the same regardless hmm. of whether the game is like a heavy narrative experience or what. Like you still yeah. have to go through a lot of the same building blocks of development. So that's like a really great example of a game to use for that purpose. And I'm sure there are lots of backers who are just avoiding that stuff entirely, and that's great. But I'd still much rather have that stuff out there than not. You know, yeah. like it's just no, no, I think no, it's clearly net positive. Yeah, the, actually, the other Devil Find game in like open development, uh, Broken, Age? Broken Age. Yeah, I watch all those. Yeah, that's a much more. It's funny because I don't I don't thing. watch any of the Massive Child stuff, even though I backed it, but I feel like I should. Whereas with Broken Age, yeah, they do go out of their way to keep everything really abstract because they're trying to show you how the game is made, but they can't. They've just sort of said, okay, this one room or this one sort of puzzle chain is effectively going to be spoiled throughout the documentary. That's sort of like, it's not, Hmm. there's that one sort of like wedding scene that was the, or whatever, the like sacrifice Mm -hmm. thing with all the girls with the dresses. Yeah. It's like, it's one of the first rooms they built. And if you watch all the documentaries, you're still not going to know how that puzzle works, but no element of that one environment is going to be a surprise to you in any way because you, you just, but but the context of it and like what happens yeah, before and after they've deliberately and, had to say sort of this for many episodes of the documentary like this little like core sample of the game is going to have to just become emblematic of the entire production because right. they can't show you everything whereas with massive chalice it seems like they can just fucking show whatever they want yeah. really yeah it's so mechanics first mm-hmm. I yeah know. yeah i think that stuff's interesting also i think that the thing i the thing the dynamic we're just talking about between different kind of games and how much is appropriate to share probably also goes to the original question this person was asking, which is, will that make developers more like, I don't know, risk averse or will it cause them to make too many decisions up front? That probably too depends oh. on a lot on what kind of game it is, you know, yeah, like this specifically like Kickstarter, because I feel like once well, or you alpha funding, to, like any, anything. Well, I mean, once you piece up with your fans and they paid money expecting one thing, I imagine it's harder to suddenly switch down the line. I mean, remember, yeah. um, Borderlands is a good example. They got really close to finishing the game with a very realistic art style, and suddenly oh, right. the last uh-huh. book changed, totally. and that made it yeah. supposedly a much a much well, better game. And if yeah. it was a Kickstarter, you'd have to write an apology email to your fans. Like, oh, we know you backed it this way. So you know what's funny about yeah. that? I think that's actually so. Man, I think Borderlands as a Kickstarter is a really interesting thing. Anyway, I know. Sorry. Yeah. I think that's actually uh, this this seems paradoxical, and I could be I could be wrong about mm. it, but it feels to me that. That is more of a risk when you kickstart something that is already pretty far along than it is when you alpha fund something where people are buying the game up front. I feel like – and I could be wrong about this. I feel like when people buy an alpha funded game, even though they're buying a thing that is already like playable, Hmm. which means they would have very specific expectations of what it is, I feel like there's an expectation that the reason it's being alpha funded in the first place – is because it still is subject to change, mm. and the developer could decide based on the experience of the player base, like we're going to tweak this or that. Yeah. Which doesn't mean people wouldn't get mad at changes the same way they do about patches and released yeah, games. Sure. Right. But on balance, it I is, feel like yeah. there's an that understanding. Really weird. I hadn't thought about that at all, and that now has made me depressed because Kickstarter does very much feel like I'm selling you on this concept. You will pay now, and then I will deliver this concept to you. Whereas yeah. alpha funding is. You'll Here's the shell of something. Yeah, you're gonna keep come along for the ride on this right. weird experimentation. I think it's yeah. because yeah. Kickstarter largely sells you on something emotionally, which people tend mm. to get. They tend to plant their flag in the ground a lot more yeah. strongly mm. than. Well, sorry, go ahead. And, and alpha funding, you are by alpha funding it. You're just getting the current build, whereas Kickstarter, yeah, yeah. you're 
You're letting your yourself- money to someone to achieve a finished goal, which you will then right. be handed. Yeah. And sometimes alpha funding is included in that. Well, but- also in alpha yeah. funding, mm-hmm. the changes happen gradually, which maybe also allows people to acclimate to them. Whereas in Kickstarter, it's like, I kickstarted this thing 18 months ago, and then it came out the other end, and it wasn't what I expected. What the right. fuck is this? Well, that, I mean, you know, I think, that's like I a think, sudden thing. If yeah, I think, been following it. yeah, I, I think that's... Broken Age, and what's this cave game? Yeah. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I think, well, I think that's exactly what it is, right? Like, with an early access or alpha funded whatever thing, like, enough of it already exists exists that there isn't just that much space in your head to imagine what it could be that is different right because like no matter what happens to sir you were being hunted or space space whatever it's like yeah ultimately those games are still yeah, mostly going to resemble robots in that. england or right spaces but like space a crazy spaces. kickstarter thing people can imagine it's like oh yeah. it's this thing in my head that i really really want and that's why i gave dollars for it which is not actually what you think and then it doesn't look you... like the star wars poster when it's done exactly <laughs> yeah yeah we yeah. should do the next reader mail probably I mean, kind of answered something. Yeah, totally. We talked for a long time, so that's, you know. That's what they're paying for. (laughs) Paid for. Um, Jonathan Anderson writes, I didn't pay attention to the Xbox 360 at all during its release. My only regret is that now I don't understand any of the Jay Allard references. (laughs) I I can find facts about chief experience officers and the like online, but nothing imparts a true sense of what it must have been like to watch his story unfold. Please share some myths of Allard so I can finally feel like I haven't completely missed out. An origin story would be particularly great. That's a, this email is like revelatory to me because it, it's such an amazing example of, the kind of thing that to, uh, like we've been making jokes about Jay Allard for so long. I feel like the bulk of the Jay Allard jokes predate the 360. Even like they pre- they predate its availability, probably. Yeah, well, uh, sure, but I yeah, that's they probably were probably true. they probably the Jay Allard jokes entered the scene around the onset of the HD era. Probably yeah. that's probably mm. so. But like, yeah, he how yeah, which was introduced he, obviously he, by Jay himself. I feel yes. like if Jay Allard started. <laughs> now i mean like if the like jay allard shenanigans started now it would be easier five years from now to find out stuff about him does reggie predate jay allard no i don't uh, or was reggie nintendo's answer to jay allard that was i no. think he is the answer oh, to jay allard. no because, because I, jay allard I was at microsoft reggie. for years That's and years like, and years right like jay Wait, allard i mean was sorry did, as did like his appearance on the public scene Pre-date, predate or post-date Jay Allard's appearance on the public scene. I, I imagine both those guys existed internally. And I, then, Reggie, like, no, Reggie, Reggie, I think came later because we were making you Jay sure? Allard jokes in like original 2004 Idle Thumbs, weren't we? But I thought I thought yeah. Reggie was around like GameCube launch era. But that's not that's, launch. No, but he wasn't. He wasn't the public figure that the front was. man. He wasn't, the, he wasn't the the hype man. No, he was. Reggie yeah. was introduced as the hype man. Yeah. Was he? Was he suddenly there? I thought he was. I thought he was kind of around for. I don't know. We're not helping to. Uh, not I know. Really. So I'm curious about who this guy is in the first place. <laughs> anyway, like, let's well, about what about where did he fall? <laughs> this is about only relative to yeah. other insane. Yeah, this is like talking about <laughs> some mythical man. He is a mythical man. But he yeah, is. but the the thing that he's a mechanical man. Yeah. Man. He's a cyborg. <laughs> Wikipedia, as it does for most people that it lists for Reggie, has a years <laughs> active column, which says 2003 to present, which just okay. f- further, cements, further cements his impression yes. of that guy as just a weird robot who was activated <laughs> to like, militarize the Nintendo fan base in 2003. Years active, and it's been, I don't know, how many years since a uh, full inspection. <laughs> like, Okay, so he gained celebrity status among gamers following his appearance at Nintendo's May 2004 E3 press conference. Man, that must be right. 
he must be <gasps> total contemporary of Allard. Man. So, well, no, the, the thing about Jay Allard that I always forget, and this is, I'm now looking up his Wikipedia page, so I remember, but I also read it in that Polygon article, is he was the person who sent the 1994 memo, uh, Windows, the next killer application on the internet. Yeah. He's, he sent the, the thing, <laughs> the, the, the big, wow. he was the guy what who sent called? the note to Bill Gates that was, that said, <clears throat> Microsoft is going to be f- fucking up forever. If we don't pay attention to the internet, he convinced them to put TCIP, TCP IP in Windows. Yeah. Whoa. Yeah. Yeah, but that in Windows ninety five that ended up scaling up, I think, all the way to the Internet Explorer antitrust stuff. But that was like his big first thing was saying, "Why do we not have the internet in Windows? Are we idiots?" Right. Uh, so that was in ninety four. So Allard. Okay. Allard, I mean, Allard was. I'm pretty sure Allard was like original Xbox, like important guy. Like he yeah, was. No. He definitely predates okay. Reggie in terms of his involvement in a major video game console. But I don't okay. remember when exactly he exploded. Yeah, his, in the his public big scene. internal pushes. Like his big first notable thing was that memo, and then on the original Xbox. He was the person who said Xbox Live needs to be a core feature of the original Xbox right. and sort of ran that team inside of the main team that was the Xbox that I think he also was a big, like, largely in charge of. But then the 360 was when, like, was he was fully groomed oh, yeah. with, like, the one-size-too-small yeah. jacket yeah. and he yeah. <laughs> on stage and stuff. Yeah. yeah. Someone he, saw his true potential. Yeah. That was... And, and you know what's funny? Allard. Like, unlike <laughs> yeah. Reggie, Evolved I feel like Allard, yes. Allard even... In like prime Allard, the prime Allard era, I feel like even then he wasn't. We probably made a disproportionately high number of Jay Allard jokes relative to his actual visibility. There's an, there's next to no mention of the Xbox in his Wikipedia page. But sorry, yeah. I know, except for saying that he oversaw it. Yeah, yeah, it's weird. I know that's like it's actually really hard to Allard. find like Maybe a good that's... capsule explanation of why this guy was hilarious the, uh, why, why that guy wrote important. in we, ta- we talked about it a few weeks ago but there was a polygon feature entirely about the xbox live team in the yeah. original xbox and it was really good jay allard reigned supreme over that oh yeah fucking article. there was much jay um yeah i don't know what okay, so this person the, the 360 was released in 2005 <clears throat> uh but what i was trying to figure out was when was that gdc keynote that jay allard gave which was the dawn of the hd era that must have been gdc 2004 Right? When he talked about using your gamer points to upgrade your spinning rims and all that shit. It was either 4 or 5, 2004, 2005. Well, the 360 itself came out in November of 2005. It was 2005 HD era. Was it okay? So, man, maybe Reggie does. (gasps) Yeah, it was GDC 2005. So, so, I mean, that Allard speech does... I mean, I guess, yeah, that was after Reggie's big breakthrough. That's so weird. Came out and sat on the stage and just wanted to rap with people. Yeah. Well, I don't know if that was the one. I think that was later because I think this this first one was when he – because there was – that one E3 was when Iwata showed up – or that one GDC was when I think Iwata showed up and said, the Nintendo Revolution will do this, 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 this. And some of it was like video DVD player. Like it was just insane (laughs) stuff was listed off. And that was was pre-Reggie being Nintendo's front man at those things. Or maybe it was just because it was GDC, but Iwata came out for that. Uh, that was a really endearing talk. I remember that because he showed pictures of himself as a dork. Uh, the Allard? No, not Allard. Iwata. No, Iwata. <laughs> yeah, oh, the Iwata one. Yeah, 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 yeah. That like actually really endeared me to modern Nintendo at that point. Yeah, but, yeah. No, I Jay think it Allard. Did with everyone, that yeah. was that was an intense contrast because then Jay <laughs> Allard showed up and just basically fireworks erupted from the stage in the middle of the San Jose Convention Center. He said, "One out of every three of you has an HD TV under your chair." And you got that. And I got that. <laughs> Did you really? Yeah, Jake won it. Oh, whoa. So is that, is that why, is that the birth of your obsession with Jake? Basically, was, who's, the, who's that guy who gave me that free TV? That looks kind of like me. No, I was 
even at that point, I was making fun of Jay Allard because I called that TV my Allard division. <laughs> I, think, I think Jay Allard showed up at that Microsoft event or at that GDC keynote and just immediately made an impression on everyone, which was yeah. who the what? Because yeah. that was in March yeah. of 2005. And then by is E3 in May? Yeah. yeah. By May of 2005, we had that we made that stupid Idle Thumbs E3 video, which includes me. Oh, includes a fake Allard. Showing up with yeah. a one size too small suit jacket introducing our video. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. I don't know. Wait, we got to stop talking about Jay Allard. I don't know. He if we exploded. Have any you guys had some sort of – you were starting to talk about some sort of Jallard uh, false lore involving him being David oh, Cage? What? No, he's – like he's uh, he owns a mountaineering supply store yes. now. So I, no, he, he that's not he, false lore. That's no, real. It's, it's real. He yeah, in, on top of a mountain somewhere. Yeah, in Portland. He doesn't he, live on top – does he really? I know, he might. No, but I mean I, he is I, in a, my head he does. He is a PM, was, according right. to his LinkedIn page, yeah. he yeah. is a PMBI certified mountain bike instructor. See? <laughs> and he, he's like he's, – he runs or is heavily involved with like a mountain bike equipment company. I thought it was – I thought it was like climbing and it could be both. Maybe I thought it was, I thought he was like a guru who like lives on. That's top what I mean. Of yeah, he's a sage. What if his business is in fact know. the new combination of all of these things, where it is the mountain climbing, mountain biking, like base guru. jumping guru thing, where you just all of these devices are somehow connected into one transcendent ex- but extreme experience. Yes. <laughs> That'd be good. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, no, I, I, like, but we were talking like we should get Steve to go and find him somewhere because he's in Portland, right? That was yes. the, yeah, he is yeah. in Portland. That yeah. part is definitely Steve, true. Do it. The final tone control is actually an <laughs> audio journal of Steve climbing up, yeah, whatever Mount Hood, yeah, <laughs> to find Jay Allen. To find Jay, and then they ski down together while talking about video games. <laughs> would Jay ski or would he snowboard? That's true. Jay would clearly snowboard, yeah. but then probably off a cliff, then that he hang glides off. Uh, a wingsuit. Yeah, well, a wingsuit. Wing Sorry. You know, why would he hang glide when he could use a wingsuit? Why would he ski if he could snowboard? Yeah. God, I don't know Jay as well as I thought. <laughs> You'll learn. Yeah. Uh, Jay Allard is apparently the CEO, and for six years has been the CEO of something called Project 529, whose slogan is Ride More. The latest from Ride More, Project 529. We live to work. Clock in, clock out, repeat. It's time to rise, get out, crash. <laughs> That's what their website says. See, there you go. And you can put your email address in a form. We <laughs> <laughs> missed, missed out the Zune years. He co-founded a cycling team. That's also called Project 529. The Zune years were the sad years, though. Yeah. That yeah. was when he made the Zune. And it Those just- were the dark hours of Jay. The darkest hours were that he was on the Microsoft Courier project, which was that uh, oh, yeah. the, the two-page hinged tablet that then yeah. just got shut down entirely and replaced with the Surface. Yeah. I don't even remember that. It was a prototype that was announced briefly, and everyone wow. said, oh, that's interesting, and not an iPad. And then Microsoft said, well, that's not an iPad. Oh, uh, <laughs> here, have, have, a, have a garbage iPad. Yeah. Yeah, good. Poor Jay. <laughs> Jay, Jay. Jay Allard has patents for things including oh, God. Um, connected gaming, mining implicit behavior, spanning multiple mediums. Personalized travel guide, following online social behavior to enhance search experience, and magic wand. <laughs> <laughs> this is why this man is great. God, this isn't even getting back. made up. <laughs> this is from his own LinkedIn page. <laughs> I've actually been on this mountaintop perfecting my magic patent. Let's <laughs> this now. Thanks, Jay. <laughs> Intensity-based maps. <laughs> Portable media player having a flip form factor. 
non-destructive media presentation derivatives. What does that mean? Wait, what? Non-destructive media presentation derivatives. Is Jay Allard game? Yeah. Like, is joint. the next one destructive non-critter whatever the hell that says? Destructive non-critter magic wand. No, but right. how would you feel about techniques to consume content and metadata? I feel like someone now just needs to make a Jay Allard patent generator that is all of these things plus occasionally just like the, an extreme weird just yeah. superlative. Yeah. <laughs> Skills and skills and experience include product development, culture, strategic planning, business strategy, TCP/IP, bowling, mountain bike, and snowboarding. See, I called it. Yeah, yeah. Of course, he snowboards. Yeah, but he also bowls. Anyway, I think we need to stop talking about. Also, internet. God damn it! Sorry. No. Also, internet. Also, internet. Did you just say also internet? Mountain biking and bowling, also internet. <laughs> TCPIP stack. <sighs> All right, thanks for joining us tonight. I oh, you're not reading the mega is. email? It's okay. Next week. The mega email. Oh. Have to hear what that is. Oh, oh cliffhanger. Yeah. Yeah. Mm, People all know what it is. And if you don't, you must be some kind of idiot. Good night. <laughs> <laughs> The first thing that you do in the soundtrack is just elbow the fucking table, you son of a bitch.